uh, here is our confession because we believe that this is the will of God, that there is purpose for your life and that God has it all taken care of. And when we plug in to the leading of his spirit, this is exactly what we have. So let's speak it together. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me. I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Can you say amen to that? And now this is the other one that we sometimes make. And it is like, I'll, I'll, well, they'll put it up there. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Now, that doesn't mean that if you don't live the word, God is mad at you and God's going to cause bad things to happen to you. No, it just means that if you happen to be on a football team and you're the end and then God is the quarterback and he tells you where to run because he's going to throw the blessing and you run the wrong way, you're probably not going to catch the ball. But if you run the right way, you're going to be in the right place at the right time and you're going to catch the ball God has for you. And that ball is full of blessings coming and going. How many of you stayed up to watch the national championship game? Game? Not a whole lot of you. Well, I didn't have a dog in this race because uh, I didn't care who won because I was pulling for Clemson. But for those of you that didn't stay up and watch, how many of you watched the ceremony? Stayed up that late. Well, I am pulling for Georgia because they're the underdog and the coach of Alabama has won a six, five national championships. This was his sixth. So I'm pulling for Alabama, and this freshman comes off the or for Georgia, and this freshman comes off the bench for Alabama, and and unbelievably replaces the starting quarterback because they hadn't scored any points, and he throws the winning touchdown pass at the very last, and I'm kind of thinking, eh, you know, Alabama win, I don't care one way or the other, and then they bring the guy up to interview him, and they said, what does it feel like? He said, well, first of all, I want to give all the praise and all the glory to Jesus Christ, my Lord, my Savior, has given me my abilities. It's not about me, it's about Him. Glory to God, let's give the Lord a hand. I am now an Alabama fan. <laughs> you can all be seated. Uh, this kid, and then, th this was right after the game, and then the, when they presented the trophy, he went back up there. They called him back up. He said the same thing all over again. It was just exciting to see all of the glory given to God in this day and age by, I, I don't know how old he is. He's probably not over 19 or 20, maybe, um, but it's really, really awesome to see. If you have your Bibles, you know the scripture, so it doesn't really matter whether you turn there or not or have your Bible, but it's Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, because we are expecting this year and every year for the rest of our life victory. So let's say, I am expecting victory. I am expecting victory in my finances this year. I'm expecting victory in my health. I'm expecting victory in my mind. How many of you realize sometimes you just need to speak to your mind? Be still and, and enjoy the ride. And uh, I'm expecting victory in my mind. I'm expecting victory in relationships. Now, in all sincerity, 
I believe there may be a few opportunities that come up that aren't what I expected, but it's not going to change my expector. Does that make sense to you? In other words, no matter what I face is not going to change what I expect. I am expecting the victory regardless of what I see. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, it's a familiar scripture to all of us, but it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many of you realize if we just believe that, we would never have a bad day? Thank you for that overwhelming silence. Thank you. We would not ever have a bad day. Who wants to have a bad day? Can I see your hand? Let's just say, I don't want to have a bad day. So therefore, I can do all things. I can endure all things. I can do and be whatever God has called me to be because of what Jesus did. How many of you know where Paul wrote that from? He wrote it from prison. He had been in prison. Now, I've never been in a Roman prison, but I've seen pictures of them, and they're not like American prisons. Uh, they are a place where you don't want to be. And Paul wrote this from prison. I don't know the exact time frame as to whether or not the shipwreck had already taken place. He'd already been bitten by the snake. I think he had. But in, basically, Paul had been beaten. He'd been bit by a snake. He'd been shipwrecked. He had a whole bunch of things in his life. And he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, he was not moved by the circumstances. He was busy running the race. And you and I have a race to run. And if we'll get our focus where it belongs, don't stop short of your race, but finish the race that God has called you to run. And I don't know why, but I just want to insert this in there. I, I'm expecting to be blessed this year. I, I really am. And I got a call from my daughter not too long ago, and she said, Dad, I just want you to know, she, my daughter Deborah lives in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, and she's done really well with this company she's with. She's been with about 12 years, and she's an account executive and travels around the country, and they're based in St. Petersburg. And uh, she said, uh, she said, Dad, I, I have won this award, and she said, it's, it's a pretty big deal with our company, and that's not why I'm calling you, but they said that they want me to bring somebody to the, the dinner uh, for the presentation uh, that you would just really want to be there. And she said, I couldn't think of anybody I'd rather have be there with me than you. Well, that brought tears to my eyes. And then she said, and by the way, they're paying all expenses, all of the airfare, everything. You can stay down here for three nights in Florida, St. Petersburg, Florida. Only stay two, but in St. Petersburg, Florida. And so I went that night and I heard, uh, heard them, you know, just give all of the accolades to my daughter. And uh, folks, it just, I can't tell you how much it blessed me. And I was thanking God when I got back to the hotel room late that night, beautiful beautiful hotel. Glory to God. And I got back to that hotel room and, and uh, you know, the refrigerator's full of all that stuff. And she said, now the company's paying for everything. You know, you make sure you just enjoy yourself. And I'm just laying there in bed thinking, God, this is just absolutely awesome. Now, this was on January the 8th. Turned on the TV set and I had some kind of a home channel. I forget what it was called. And it says, in celebration of Elvis's birthday, we have nothing but Elvis movies all night long. I mean, you'd have thought I died and went to heaven. I mean, 
I had all the soft drinks and potato chips and pretzels and Elvis and my daughter getting a re- <laughs> I called my wife and I said, you're not going to believe this, honey, but Elvis is on all night long. <laughs> anyway, I said, doesn't get any better than this. No, but all of us should be excited about the life that God has given us. And not looking at anything that isn't going right, but focusing upon all of the things that God has already done for us and getting our expector out there as to what God has and expecting the, the victory and really expecting the supernatural. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be sharing here for a few minutes. And uh, Brad didn't even say hi to you or Bill or Sue didn't say hi to you guys either. But we're going to be uh, sharing in, in Numbers chapter 13. And and talking about how important it is not to stop short of the goal that God has for you. How many of you realize that there have been times in your life when if you had just kept moving and and broken through, you could have made it, but you just stopped short? Uh, I I know there are times in my life when that has happened, when you you just stop short of the finish line. Stop short of the blessing. You were one step away from having what God wanted you to have, but because of the obstacles and the situation and the challenges that you saw, you you started to question, uh, am I doing the right thing? Can God really bring this through and and for me? And, and, And you start to pull back from what God is trying to give you. I don't understand exactly how this works, but I know that in my life, some of the greatest miracles, let me see the hands of all the people, you've had a lot of miracles take place in your life. Some of the greatest miracles, that I, all of the miracles are great, that I've had in my life came at what appeared to me to be some of the darkest hours. In other words, I was close to giving up on that thing or that situation And all of a sudden, this door opens, and I think, gosh, what if I had not taken that extra step? Or what if I hadn't done that thing that I felt in my spirit I was supposed to do, but I didn't even know if I wanted to do it, but I felt like it was something God really wanted. And then all of a sudden, this door opens up. I don't don't know if this is a good explanation of it, but how many of you remember the, uh, uh, it's called a Rubik's Cube? You know, you know what I'm talking about? I'm never able to figure one of those things out. But, uh, but uh, just before you get to the completion stage, it's, it's a mess. But then all of a sudden, one click, and everything falls into place. Now, we know it's a lot more than one click that got you to the one click, but it's the one little click that brings it all into place. And that supernaturally and spiritually, we're one click away from all of the blessings of God manifesting. They're already waiting on us if we will just believe God, trust God, and do what He tells us to do. And I'm going to paraphrase this for you. Most of you have heard this story before, but it is such a true story of life. In Numbers uh, chapter 13, it's it's the story of of telling the story about how God was ready to give the children of, of His children, the children of God, the promised land. And He had told them about it. It had been prophesied and that they were moving under the leadership of Moses to the very edge of the promised land. They had just about arrived. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you've just about arrived. 
But tell, turn back and tell them again. But remember, you've just about arrived. We have not arrived. We have just about arrived. And we don't want to stop that ship before it pulls into the right port. They just about arrived. And they were given this good report. And sometimes when, I, I remember when I first got saved and I started getting a hold of some of these scriptures. And it's like, this is really awesome. This is beautiful. And it was starting to build my faith. And then I'd look with my natural eyes, and what I saw with my natural eyes did not line up with what I was trying to download into my spirit. Can I see your hand if you know what I'm talking about making sense? And so I'm starting to waffle because I'm not strong enough in the Word. I'm not strong enough with my faith because the Word is not really downloaded deep inside me. So I'm starting to be more moved by what I see than what I believe, because what I see, I am believing over what I should be believing. Does that make sense, or did I just confuse you? In other words, I should be believing the Word of God and what the Holy Spirit showed me, but instead I'm believing that, whoa, there are some giants out there in my path, and they were there before I got saved, and they're still there, and it looks to me like they're bigger than what I just read in the Word of God. That's just a fact for many of us. But the longer we're saved, hopefully... The more our faith is growing, the more we're ready to go. And so as they approach the edge of the promised land that God is going to give them, God has told them he's going to give it to them, Moses commissions the 12 spies, and almost all, all, all of you know this story, he commissions the 12 spies to go out and spy out the land, see if there are fortified cities, see uh, what kind of fruit is there, see uh, who the descendants are, see uh, what is going on, and come back and, and give me a report. Now the word from God was, I am giving you the land. Everybody say, I am giving you the land. God is going to give you his blessings. God's going to take care of every area of your life, but you're going to have to go through contrary to, is somebody knocking on the roof? Is it next door? They must be having a great time over there. I thought it was up there. Uh, but I thought maybe God had a word he wanted to interject here. Uh, but, but anyway, what, what happens is they, they, they had the word of God. They knew the will of God. They trusted God. They were ready to go. And it doesn't say this in, in, in the Bible, but, but I believe this is probably true. They believed that they were going to inherit the promised land. I believe that. I believe the 12 spies, who were 12 leaders, they were leaders of the tribes, the 12 spies went in there, I believe they were excited to go. I believe they were high-fiving one another, saying, man, we're, we're picked out to be the leaders to go in and bring back the great report. We're going to go in and spy out that land. We're going to go back, give Moses the report, and he's probably going to have us lead the charge as we go in. And they went out there, and they looked around, and they saw exactly what God said. It was a land full of milk and honey. It was a land full of lushness and, and, and just beauty. And, and so they saw what God said. But they also saw some things that they hadn't heard about. Maybe they'd thought about them. We don't know one way or another. But they saw the descendants of Anak. Now, this was the giants of that era. These were, these were huge people, and they had fortified cities, and they lived by the rivers, and they had, had the fortification, and the towns were fortified, and, and they just looked like they were huge in the sight of the people. Can I see the hands of all the people? Some things absolutely, if you look at them long enough, look huge 
obstacles to you. It's like, oh, glory to God, how will I ever get through that? Well, you alone won't, but God will bring you through it. And what happened was, and, and I know you've heard me say this many times, that we don't believe what we see, we see what we believe. Does that make sense to you? In other words, you have to change your mindset because we can look out and see what appears to our mind to be insurmountable problems, insurmountable situations, but nothing is insurmountable to God. God can, we truly, through Jesus, we can do all things. So the 12 spies, they go out and they all see the same thing. Now we know Caleb and, and Joshua were obviously of a different spirit than the 10, the other 10, but the 10, as a matter of fact, how many of you realize who, who brought back the good report? Pardon? Name the other 10. Nobody, nobody knows. Maybe some of you do, but, but, but for the most part, nobody knows who the other 10 were. They were just kind of lost to prosperity because they, 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 nobody really is focusing them on them. But the point I'm making is that they saw the same thing. Joshua and Caleb were moved by the word of God. Ten of the spies were moved by what they saw. They didn't exactly see something that they didn't describe correctly until the very end. They said, yeah, we saw. This, these are what the ten spies said. We, we saw the descendants. Uh, I mean, we saw the fruit. We've got it. We brought it back, the grapes and the pomegranate. And, and we brought all this back, and we saw it. And there's a land. Is what, just what God said. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. However, how many of you have a however? It's like, well, I know what the Word says. I, I, I'm leading you up to something I say a lot. <laughs> I know what the, the word says, but, I say this a lot, nobody, my wife doesn't care for it, but she's not here. And, but I always say, I know what the word says, but we need to get our butts out of the way. So turn to your neighbor and tell you, you just need to get your butt out of the way. You just need to get it out of the way, and there are no buts. It is a question of, I know what the word says, Period. And the Word says, I am blessed coming. And the Word says, I am blessed going. It's a good word for you if you get confused. You're going to be blessed either way. But we know what the Word of God says. But what they did say, the ten spies, they said, however, there are giants in the land. The descendants of Anak were there. They didn't tell a lie. They were. But they must have been focusing them on. And the cities are fortified. And we are now. Here's where they started to air. We are like grasshoppers in their sight. God never told them that. How many of you realize that sometimes you can look at something and you can feel so insignificant, but you are not insignificant? Tell your neighbor, you're not insignificant. You are no grasshopper. You are a child of God created in the image of Almighty God. Your height, your stature is big enough to take on any giant in the land, anytime, anywhere, any place. We've been there before, you've done it before, and you'll do it again. So what they did is they started to compare themselves and try to figure out we are too small to take on the people in the land. And they came back. Now Joshua and Caleb, a different spirit, Joshua and Caleb came back 
And they said, we are well able to take the land. Everybody say, we are well able. Let's, let's even personalize it. Let's say, I am well able. You are well able to do anything God's called you to do. I am well able. Well, I fell once. Get up and do it again because next time you'll make it or the next time you'll make it. You know, an athlete in baseball, I love, ba- I love sports, but an athlete in baseball, think about this. An athlete in baseball can make about $10 million a year uh, if he's hitting 300. How many of you like to make $10, or $10 million a year? My hand would be up. How many, ten, play baseball and make about $10 million a year. Do you know how many times that athlete strikes out or doesn't get a hit? 70% of the time. This guy is getting $10 million to fail 70% of the time. Fuck, turn to your neighbor and tell me, you don't even fail that often. Yeah, they're in a single one of us fail 70% of the time. We're doing a whole lot better than that. So anyway... Here's what verse 13, 30, and 31 says that I I want to give you. In verse number 13, the people were getting upset. How many of you realize that whether you know it or not, you have influence on people? You have influence in your home. If you're upset, probably everybody's going to be upset. Uh, You know, you you just get that spirit off of it. Caleb, Caleb was trying to quiet the people, and I'm sure Joshua was right along there with them, because the people were getting stirred up. They, think about this just for a moment. The people were probably so excited. The 12 spies went out, and all of a sudden, after 40 days, the 12 spies are coming down the, the they see them coming down the road, and they think, here they come. What are they carrying? Oh my goodness, they got huge grapes. They got fruit. Oh my goodness, what kind of report? It's going to be a great report. They are so excited to hear, and then they start to hear bits and pieces of the good report, and then they hear this bad report. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, Caleb being one of the leaders and Joshua, they stand up, Joshua, or uh, Caleb, and he stood up and he quieted the people before Moses. Now, he said he quieted the people. So that must have meant they started to listen to him. People will tend to listen to someone who stands up with the confidence of God and says, it's going to be okay. Everybody says, it's going to be okay. Sometimes we just need to walk on the scene. And all we can say is, it's going to be okay. And somebody may ask you, how? You don't know how. But you don't need to tell them that. You just need to say, it's going to be okay. God's going to take care of these troubled waters. And so he quoted the people and he said, let's go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But in verse number 31, now the people are quieted, it says. Now the other two spies get up. And the men, uh, the ten spies, but the men who had gone up with him, with Caleb, the other ten leaders, said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. Now God is giving them the land. Who determined that the obstacle was stronger than them? Obviously, these ten leaders, because in their mind, they were trying to figure out how to do the miraculous. Your mind will never figure out how to do the miraculous. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not up to your mind. That's the problem with most people. Their mind is not renewed to the supernatural power of God. Everybody is trying to figure out how this is going to work. How can a woman be healed by touching the hem of the garment? 
Doesn't make any sense up here, but it happened because of her faith. The things that I have seen happen in my life, um, the miracle working power of God, there is no way I could have figured it out. But I know this, every time I need a miracle, I'm one moment away from it. And every time you need a miracle, you're one moment away from it. If you'll release your faith and, and believe God that he's going to take care of it. Basically, in, in these 12, 12 spies, two with a good report, 10 with a bad report. Basically, they said four words. Joshua and Caleb, apparently Caleb said it. Caleb said, we are well able. Everybody say, we are well able. Tell, tell your neighbor, we are well able. The 10 spies, they said, we are not able. I'm not even going to ask you to say that one. They said, we are not able. And the people began to listen to the 10 spies, and they all began to sway the hearts of the people from the will of God. The will of God is sovereign, and if we will take the word of God and speak the word of God and get the word of God in us, it will change our lives. Now let's look at what else it says here where they said we are not able in Numbers chapter 13. and verse number 32, And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Now what are they looking at? They're looking at the bad report. How many of you realize that you have the ability to look at a good report or to look at a bad report? Pete in Indianapolis has been given a very bad report. We are looking at the good report of Jesus. He is the healer. Every time in your life when you face an obstacle, a situation that isn't lining up, and you don't know what God is telling you to do, that's when you are ready for a miracle. Let's all say, I'm ready for a miracle. And the people of whom we saw in it are men of great stature. They're describing the attributes of the enemy. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, who came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in their sight, and so we were in their sight also. In other words, in their sight, we look like grasshoppers. In our sight, we look like grasshoppers. Folks, when you start forgetting who you are, you start looking at yourself through a prism that you should never be looking at. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are made in the image of Almighty God. The power of the Holy Spirit rests within you. And you are called by God to go from glory to glory. Can we say amen to that? Amen. And therefore, you're not looking at what you see and believing it. You are believing what you see in your spirit. And then it puts you in an entirely different level of confidence and faith in what God wants you to do and to become. It's not very smart to contradict the Word of God. And what really happened here is that they began to contradict the Word of God. And there are so many people today who don't understand this, that the Word of God is what we download and feeds our spirit once we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. 
And therefore, when we have any situation that we are facing, we are never going to contradict the Word of God. How many of you ever had a parent that said, don't, don't you contradict me or don't tell me, or, you know, a, a very firm parent like that? Well, I don't believe God is necessarily like that, but I don't believe God likes it when we contradict Him. Why? Because we contradict the ability of Him to bless us by not moving forward. I don't believe God got any enjoyment whatsoever out of causing the children of God to wander in the, and the leaders to wander in the desert 40 years until they died. I believe He wanted all of them to come in. How many of you have multiple children? <clears throat> you love them all the same, but I can guarantee you that some of them probably bring you more joy than others just because of life. But you love them all, and you want them all to have the same blessings that all of them have the ability to have. And so when we understand that, then it changes our life. It's very dangerous. Everybody say, very dangerous. It's very dangerous to contradict the Word of God. What it does, it opens in the realm of the Spirit. I know none of you would do this in your right mind. I wouldn't either. But you go to the door, and you open the door to the devil, and you basically say, you know, I'm going to contradict the Word of God here because I just really don't care. So come on in and do whatever you want to do. And later on, I'll come to my senses and I'll shut the door. But for right now, I'm going to have a pity party. How many of you have ever had a pity party? You may see your hand. Raise your neighbor's hand if they don't have it. <laughs> We've all had a pity party. You know who shows up? I've heard people say this before. Nobody shows up at a pity party. Yes, that's the devil shows up. The devil's going to show up and go say, you have a right, you poor little child. You have a right to pity because I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to annihilate you and your God won't help you. No, that's not true. We shut that door and we say, this is what the Word of God says. One of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible, when all of this was over and done, what I just shared with you, uh, the, uh, Moses, when he died, uh, he, he left uh, God, promoted Joshua, and he, put, and he put Joshua in charge. And if you study Joshua chapter 1, is one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most powerful scriptures in the entire Bible because for me, Joshua is a hero. Joshua is a nondescript person who came on the scene, but for whatever reason, God really saw a lot in Joshua. And Joshua was elevated to the position of leadership. And God and told Joshua exactly what he wanted him to do. And he summed it all up in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 and verse 9. And he told Joshua, Joshua, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. I want to stop there just for a moment. You shall meditate the book of the law, the word of God, day and night. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Let's all say, as a man thinketh, so is he. So therefore, what we're meditating determines what we believe. The ten spies looked at and saw the same thing as the two spies, but the ten spies must have meditated. Those are the descendants of Anak. We are like grasshoppers. Those are the descendants of Anak. They're stronger than I am. They're more powerful than I am. There's no way we can take the fortified cities. There's no way. They had to meditate that all the way home. How many days did they meditate that? 
We don't know. We don't. We don't know when they first saw them. But when they were. But they. We know they were gone forty days. Maybe they saw them the first day. Maybe they saw them the second day. Maybe they saw them the third day. But for a number of days, they meditated their stature versus the stature of somebody else, and they meditated so long that it took them away from the power and from the word of God. They said that, but he said to Joshua, Joshua, you meditate the word of God day and night to do all that is written for, for that it all is written for then, everybody say for then. It says if you'll meditate day and night, then, 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 not before, but after, your meditation will determine and attract the victory or it will put the victory off and prolong it. Then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now look at verse number nine, because that's we're going to have. Let's all say, I'm going to have prosperity and success. How many believe that for 2018 that is exactly what God wants you to have? Can I see your hand? Let's all say it. That is exactly what God wants me to have. How many of you believe that in 2018, you're going to see some things that look anything but like prosperity and success? Can I see your hand? It's not a negative report. You know, some people might say, I can't do that. I, can't. I believe that'll happen. I'm prepared. You know, if you're going to be a prize fighter, I don't think they would ever take you in and just let you beat up on another person, and never tell you how to take a punch. You, you know, every once in a while we get knocked down. Can I see the hands of all the people? Somewhere along the line, you've gotten knocked down. You can, you can lay down and stay down, or you can get up and grow up and become what God's called you to be. Chances are some of us may get knocked down during 2018. That's not the big deal. Jump back up, get back up, and say, whoa, learned a lot there, and move on and knock somebody else down. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but let's but let have I, have I not commanded you? Now, this is a command. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. If you'll do this, you'll stand out. The world is getting darker and darker and darker. It's not going to be hard for the light of Jesus to stand out in the believer because of the darkness that's coming in the world, and we'll dispel it. Have I not commanded you? Be, uh, be strong and of good courage. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why would he tell us not to be afraid? Because he doesn't want us to be afraid. Deep teaching tonight. He doesn't tell your neighbor, he doesn't want you to be afraid. Nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I'm not believing for any of you to get knocked down, but if you get knocked down, guess who's down there with you? God is right there with you. If you go through a storm, guess who's going through the storm with you? God's going through that storm with you. And you get your eyes focused on where God wants you to go, and that is exactly what's going to happen. Now, there are three things that I want to share with you that I believe are so important. Three powerful questions that you have to continually ask yourself to make sure you know how this thing is working out. Number one, (coughs) am I doing what God told me to do. You don't want to get out of position because that's where the devil is, and the devil wants you to get out of position. If you know what you're supposed to be doing, it, do it. 
Turn to your neighbor and just tell them, just do it. If you know what you're supposed to be doing, do it. Well, I need counseling. No, you don't. You need to be hit up the side of the head. Number two is God. <laughs> I can do this. My wife's not here. Number two, is God well, well, well able to do the supernatural? The answer to all these, by the way, I gave you the answer, okay? So let's go back to number one. Am I going to do what God told me to do? Yes. Okay, number two, is God well able to do the supernatural? Yes. Am I able to do what God said? Yes. Sure, you're already equipped to do it. He'd never tell you to do it if you didn't. Now, I'm going to give you this scripture to just go real fast here. But in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, it talks about the Word of God being more powerful than a two-edged sword. And it also says that the reason the people did not enter into the promised land, in verse number 11, if you back, go to number, uh, verse number 11, Therefore, let us be diligent to enter rest. The Word of God in Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4 says this, The reason the children of God... And the reason today we don't have the promise of God operating in our life is because the people of God, the children of God, refuse to rest. If you are not resting, you are not going to attract the, the promises of God because you're not going to mix faith with the Word of God and you're not going to be ready for what God, God's called you to do. And that's exactly what it says in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4. The reason they didn't inherit the promised land was because they didn't take the Word of God that He gave them, mix it with faith, and enter into rest. This is what rest is. I know what God said, I release my faith, and now I rest. Everybody say it. I need to learn how to rest. I believe this is one of the biggest problems for people. They don't know how to rest in their mind. Their mind is not at rest because they're not meditating the Word of God. And when you're meditating the wrong thing, you'll always have the wrong result. If you're taking medication, don't stop. But the best medication you can ever take is to feed yourself the Word of God day in and day out and meditate it day in and meditate it day out. Now, now I, I want to share this with you. If you're self-meditating, does that make sense? In, in other words, you're not allowing somebody else to control your thoughts. Does that make sense? I get up in the morning and I say, I, I try, I don't do it every morning, but I try every morning to get up and I say, God, I just thank you for Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Today I am steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I say that, try to say that over myself every morning. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, and 58. That just excites me. I am immovable, steadfast, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And I'm not looking at that because that doesn't line up with what I just said. But I'm not going to look at that. I'm going to focus on what I know is the right thing. That brings great peace, joy, and rest into my mind. And I know I've said this before, and I know it sounded funny every time I say it, but it's so true. The average person supposedly thinks about 30,000 thoughts a day plus. I know I'm below average. I don't think that much. I really don't. I have, I, now, I think, but I think the same thing a lot. Uh, have you, how many of you ever seen this movie Rain Man? Uh, <laughs> I love the movie. <laughs> I'm a child of God, 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 I'm a child You know, I would rather say that a hundred thousand times than to say, how am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? How am I going to do it? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to make this situation work? How am I going to make that situation work? See, a lot of people, they, they overload their mind trying to figure out what God's already figured out. 
God doesn't need us to figure it out, but at the right time, at the right place, He'll show us what to do. But if you're trying to figure everything else before you do it, you'll get gridlocked in your mind. You'll never have rest in your life, and you won't want to do any more for God because you feel like you're overloaded. You cannot be overloaded serving God. Never. But if you're overloaded, you're thinking the wrong thoughts, and you're thinking too much. And so instead of it's okay to think 30,000 thoughts if you're the one dictating the thoughts. Does that make sense to you? How many of you realize you think thoughts that you want to think yourself are you let your mind think for you? And when your mind is a pool of entertaining any thought that wants to come in there, you've got a problem. And, that's when, and, the, and the problem is you're not telling yourself what to think. Everybody say, I should tell myself what to think. Turn to your neighbor and say, and I may even tell you too. No, <laughs> that's, the, <laughs> that's, where, that's where we get in trouble. That's where we go into meddling. Now, in Numbers, in Numbers chapter 14, I want to end with this scripture here. Numbers chapter 14, verse, uh, verse 9. Uh, this is how Caleb summed it all up. Or it's Joshua, I guess. Only, do not rebel. He's telling the people, the people are, are he's trying to quiet them down. And it says, only don't rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread, their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Numbers chapter 14, verse 9. If we're not careful, we'll start to fear something that is a non-entity in the victory that God has called us to walk in. And uh, only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. That first sentence there, don't rebel against the Lord. God looks at rebellion as the sin of witchcraft, 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23. And that a lot of times we don't think this uh, really understand it clearly, but if you know you're doing something contrary to what God has shown you to do, you're not inheriting the land and the promises that He wants you to have. You're really rebelling against God, and the root of it is fear, because nobody in their right mind would not want what God wants you to have. That's why I say, I want what God wants me to have. But you will have to work through some places and accomplish and go through some things that it, you don't know how it's going to work out per, for sure other than you know what the promise of God is. But if you do what God has shown you, then the blessing of God is going to come upon you. But if you're not doing what God has shown you, what you're really doing is rebelling against God through fear and you're keeping the promise of God away from you. That's exactly what happened to the children of God. But the good news is, everybody say good news, is that everybody associated with this church is going to be blessed all year long. We're going to meditate the Word of God, live the Word of God. The blessing of God is going to come upon us. Let's jump to our feet. They're going to overtake us. And we're going to be blessed coming, and we're going to be blessed coming, going, because we are the head, we are not the tail. And sometimes you just have to start saying things to yourself. There are times when I feel overloaded. I don't feel like this message at all. I feel overloaded. I'll be back behind Walmart, and I'll be thinking, oh, yeah, I'm the head, not the tail. You know, I'm above and not beneath, and, you know, drink my coffee and eat my donut. Sorry, Brenda, but I do. And... Uh, <laughs> 
I'm going to come to the class and hear some of it, but, but uh, that cinnamon roll does taste good, even though I know it's not good for me. But then all of a sudden, I think, you know what? I'm slipping. I'm slipping. How many of you realize you can realize when you're slipping? You've got to realize your shortcomings. You realize that, you know what? I'm off my game today. And boy, there are times I'll just start talking to myself, not internally. I'm talking about externally. You are the head, not the tail. You are above and not beneath. Somebody could buy me think I'm crazy and cracking up, but I could care less. Because I, now listen to this. I hope if you understand this, it'll change your life. I am the most important person in my life to keep strong. Because if I go down, I can't help anybody. It's like on that airplane when they, when they say, uh, if you have children, when the, if the oxygen mask comes down and you have children, put yours on first. They're basically saying, take care of your oxygen. Take care of your life. Because if you can't do it, you can't help those kids that are with you. You can't help anybody else. So you got to be strong yourself and realize if I don't take care of me, then I'm not going to be able to use by God to take care of other people. It's not selfish. It's just getting ready for what God has for you. Would you bow your heads with me? <clears throat> God's got great things for you. I really believe that. I believe 2018 is going to be a great year. But see, I believe God has wanted every year to be a great year. I really do. He's, wanted, he's always wanted us to prosper. I don't believe there's ever been a year God says, I think I'll screw with their minds this year, and I'm just going to really give them a lot of power. I don't think so. That's not the kind of God we read about. No way. Father, I thank you for every person here tonight. And as we're bowed in prayer and as we, as we just come before you as always, I pray that if there are those here tonight that do not know you as their Lord and Savior, that tonight is the night that they would give their heart to you. If you're here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let this be the night. If you're here tonight and you're like a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter, you know you've drifted away from the things of God, let this be the night you come home. And all, all, all over this church, if, if I have described you, I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand, and we're going to pray for you. I see your hand over here, all the way back here in the back. I see your hand. I see your hands over here. Yes, yes. Anybody else? Maybe, maybe you're thinking about it. Maybe right now your heart is just, just like maybe even paralyzed, just like, oh, my goodness, I can't do that. But your life will change forever if you do. Anyone else before we come down here and pray? If you've got a little soft music, put it on. All of you ushers, help me out. All of you that lifted your hands, I want you to come on down here at the altar. Give them a hand as they come, all the way over in this section, all the way back there in the back. Yeah, put on whatever you can find. It doesn't matter. We just put something on them. Yeah, give them a hand as they keep coming down here to this altar. Come on down here, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, don't stop. Angels in heaven are rejoicing. This is, what, this is what it's all about. It's good to have you here. It's good to see you. I met you earlier, and it's good to have you here, and it's good to have you here. We are so, my goodness, let's give, let's do this again. Glory to God. We are so glad for all of you. Brad and Sandy, get some help down here at the altar with us, okay? Now, I'm going to pray for all of you, and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. 
and all of us are going to pray with you. But tonight is a night of new beginnings. Tonight is a night when Jesus Christ, whether you've had him in your heart before and drifted away from him or whether you've never accepted him, your spirit man is going to be born again or your spirit man is going to be revitalized, whichever it is, and God is going to be able to speak to you and is going to begin to speak to you and rekindle those deep desires that he's put in your heart years and years ago. There's something very special for you. Something very special. But that's for all of you. Something very special for all of you. The hard life will come to an end. And the good life will begin. That rhymed, didn't it? The hard life will come to an end. And the good life will begin. Stretch your hands out toward these at the And let's pray together. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I've sinned and I've made mistakes. But tonight, I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart and take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you and to be all that you have called me to be. I know this for certain. You have a plan and a purpose for my life. I can do it. I've learned a lot. Some of it the hard way. But I've learned it. And tonight, I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. And I ask you to come into my heart. I'll serve you every moment of every day. For your glory. Glory to God. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's give the Lord one more hand. I'm going to ask all of you to stay right where you are, right here. Some counselors are going to be with you to talk to you right here at this altar. I want us all to make this confession before we leave. I am, I am. well able to accomplish anything that God has called me to do. I'm blessed coming. I'm blessed going. I am the head. I'm not the tail. I am steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. You believe that? Let's give the Lord another hand. Minister to all of them at this altar, please. Go and be blessed.